This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to taste the flavoriest flavor to ever flavor? Mmm. Snapple is ridiculously flavorful. And you can uncap a Snapple real fact with every bottle. Like, cows produce more milk when they listen to music. Come on, leave the ridiculousness to Snapple. And grab one of your favorites that pack a punch. Explore all of the delicious flavors at Snapple.com. Hi, this is Will Arnett. I, we, are inviting you to follow us as we go on tour and we take our podcast, Smartless, on the road. Join us and watch any boundaries we previously had disappear. Like you've never seen us before, you'll see us on the road ordering lunch, roasting each other, and on stage as we surprise each other with a mystery celebrity guest in each city. Boy, that sounds amazing. Welcome to Smartless! Don't miss our new series, Smartless on the Road, streaming May 23rd, only on Max. Subscription required. Forever. It, it won the award. It did yeah. not. I it did. Is. I'm going to tell you something right now. I was really broke okay. for money last year, and I did not drive Uber or or Lyft because I did not want to be driving around old white people. I just, My soul was <laughs> like, this just feels... Even if we didn't have to talk, I just, like, I just don't want somebody in the back of my car, and I'm just driving them. And if somebody was like, hey, can we make a stop? I'm like... No, no, and it felt wrong. So that's the reason I didn't do it. I went broker, literally, because I didn't want to do it. Dead you were ass. thinking about driving Uber, but the thought of driving older white people, and you hadn't even seen this film, and you were just like, I can't do it. Nope, because it was just part of the culture. Yep, I didn't want. I don't want to participate because this is my thing. Driving is just a step. Okay, this is my. <laughs> Because think about it. What, are you, are you, what is this, a slippery slope to what? <laughs> Sla- slavery? Next thing you're picking cotton. L- listen, all you need is somebody being like, hey, you know what? You're a good driver. Let me get your info, and then you can just drive me around. I'm going to pay you directly. And now you know what's this happening? This is not a real, this is not a thing. Bray, 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 Bray. In the history of Uber. Bray, someone just leave you their car, and they're like, hey. I need someone to pick me up from the airport. I like to travel, blah, blah, blah. Now, all of a sudden, you driving. You driving random people around on errands and now shit. Now, can you wear this uniform so that I can spot you? Facts. Hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. You like, it, looks like, it looks like traffic is a little bad. Let me get you some gloves. Now, I got on a little leather, fingerless <laughs> driver's gloves. Mm-hmm. You know what? It makes me nervous when you look directly in my eyes. So I only can look at the rear view. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't look at me anymore. Don't mm-hmm. play hip-hop in the car. Can you play some Frank Sinatra? That's what they're going to say. I feel you. I feel you. You know, play some Beatles, some Elvis. They in the backseat snapping their fingers, talking about some, don't roll the windows up. We not using the AC like it's they cop. It's a slippery slope. I don't like that Vincent's been enabling Gerard to go on this rant. (laughs) It's not a rant. He gets it. He gets it. That's all. I get it. Thank you. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, Bray. Start how you wanted to start. I just want people to know before we start this episode, I'm not, I wasn't driving because of that. That's fine. Do, I, I, I remember I had, like, when I was a kid, there were, I had, like, friends' parents every now and then might drive me home, but they didn't want me to sit in the back because it's, they didn't want to feel like a chauffeur. And I always thought that was weird because I was like, but I'm a kid. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 yeah you, you are my chauffeur. <laughs> I, can't drive, I, can't I can't drive a car. 
<laughs> Listen, Bray, it makes sense. I, if I go to a concert or I'm in a crowd, say I'm at a bar. Okay, if I'm at a bar and I have friends with me, say one of my friends is Caucasian, okay? I don't lead the way through the crowd, okay? I'm not, I'm not taking all these hits so you get the easy walk behind me. Fuck no. You go first and I'm going to follow you because they're probably going to split for you. Slippery slope. Slippery. That's too much slope. to be concerned about. Like you can't be just out in the club and you have to debate which order you, you <laughs> go in. James, as you go James in it's not a debate, James, because I'm not going. Because what's going to happen is I'm little. All right. I got to bump people. I got to push people out of the way. Hey, yo, excuse me, bro. Excuse me. Excuse me. And now I look like an asshole. Mm-mm. No, because you can just you can just dip in and out. You can. Jarrah the type of per- if he met a girl at a club and he was like, "Hey, let me take you back," and she was like, "All right, great." And he's like, "Oh, I, I didn't catch your name. What was it?" And she says, "Daisy." He'd be like, Mm-mm, "I ain't driving, Miss Daisy." <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm not mad at that transition because you're right. I, you're, uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say. That. Like, I thought you were gonna say <laughs> instead of setting up, "What's your name?" I thought you were gonna say, "Well, look, you gonna you gonna be driving, Miss Daisy." Like that. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's the old living color. It's the old living color pit. Rodden Miss Daisy. Right. There you go. Too much? Is that too much? No, 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 no. Too We're, much? This is an adult podcast. <laughs> That's scarier because they're going to be like, uh-uh. But we'll get to the scene in the movie. Sorry, go ahead. That's go ahead. scary? Oh, it's scary Okay, I know me, exactly James. what scene it's you're talking about. Me. I know what scene you're talking about, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Start the show. Welcome to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. I can't wait to talk about it. No, I no, I uh, really I very much appreciate that you didn't for, for those of you who are listening for the first time, James usually says a line from the movie, but instead he decided to go with the recurring, I guess. Theme, the theme song first of all first of all scored by hans zimmer first of all that's right <laughs> second of all i this was my first time watching this movie all the way through but i was like i know this song <laughs> i don't know why I, <laughs> I don't know why I, I like knew the song that all of that was from just my regular memory i didn't have to like <laughs> learn it watching it again so i don't know why <laughs> it's so popular guys w- w- everyone welcome 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 to the, the podcast. This is Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. We review films of leading Black actors. We talk about them in the context of race and diversity in Hollywood. And we have two very special guests with us in the studio today to talk about the 1989 film Driving Miss Daisy. All right. <laughs> Dra is going to attempt to do drums. He ordered the new computer. I'm going to introduce... Bray, you ready? <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready, Bray. I'm ready. Okay. Exactly. All right. All right. I just it was so underwhelming. I I just want something better. I it's hard first of all. You have to you have to continue it while I say I'm going to stay the credits. I know, but you You posted you didn't even breathe. Okay, fine, fine. Let's try it again, Bray. Let's try it again. Okay. 
or three, two, one. I'm gonna go, and then you gonna do your. To okay. give Jarrah some credit, though, the symbols are getting better. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, that was that was that was the symbols. My bad. That was. <laughs> Thank you, James. Positive reinforcement. All right, continue it. I'm gonna say some stuff. Okay, All right. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone at home. I know them from the Misho okay. Mission podcast. Honestly, that's that's so tiring when you do it more than a couple seconds. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start again. All right. I'm sorry. Okay, my fault. All right. I'm sorry. Oh, my Lord. Let me start. Again. All right. I wasn't ready for how much yes, air it took out. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. All right. All right. You ready, Bray? Bray. You oh, ready? that was better. Okay. Somebody right, to real jumps. Okay. You know them from the Misho Mission podcast and their new podcast, <laughs> Class of 1989. Please give it up for Len Webb and Vincent Williams. <laughs> What's up? Man, I'm not going to lie. I was out of breath. Woo. Hey, thanks Man. for having us. Welcome, y'all. <laughs> thank you, for, thank hey, you honestly, for, for that sensational drum roll. That that's was, the uh, longest drum roll anyone's ever gotten. Listen. We've been doing this for like 100 years. That's the longest drum roll ever. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. James put his head down. <laughs> I feel like, literally, I, look, I completely embarrassed James. James put his hat oh. over his face. I'm like, all right. It was great. I feel excited by yes. it. Yes. Thank, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. For those of you, again, who 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 are listening and may not know this, Class of 80, 1989 is a new limited run series podcast from Len and Vincent, and they're going to talk about acclaimed Black cinema in the Black film renaissance of 1989, a film which includes Driving Miss Daisy. Y'all rude for this. We are going to review y'all rude as hell today. <laughs> All the movies y'all could have picked. All the movies y'all could have picked. I got now, a whole goddamn... It's a lot of... Ugh. Technically, Driving Miss Daisy, the, the Black lead is really... It's more of a supporting role, but Morgan Freeman did get nominated. <laughs> he he was in it a lot. He was in it a lot, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's fair to call him a supporting role. He, no, like, it, it was he was it was like a co it was a two-hander in a way. Did he get nominated for best actor though? He got nominated for best actor. He did, he did. He got nominated for best actor. He got nominated for best actor. At one point, good. I'm pretty sure he winks and a twinkle peels in his eye. Like tick tick. I promise you. I remember the scene, yo. We're gonna talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> he was quite magic. Bro, this nigga appeared out of nowhere. Literally, there's a scene. Sorry, go ahead, Bray. <laughs> I was just gonna. I'm just gonna give the background to the film, and then we'll get into it. There's a lot that Gerard's very excited to talk about. Bray, you know the background. He's a black dude who drives an old white lady. Bray, that's the movie. He drives his old white lady, okay. and you're like, why he driving yes. her? And then that's don't the plot we kind of talk about it? But the but the the they learn to grow together, <laughs> and it's a beautiful do this now. friendship <laughs> that develops over the course of okay. Okay. years. I will say what this movie has over green. You're but- my best friend. <laughs> That's a, I feel like, was that in AFI's top 100, 500 lines or whatever? Yes, <laughs> yes, anyway. this movie is, yo, yes. It's, yes. Okay, this movie was uh, nominated for nine Academy Awards. It won four of them, including Best Picture, Best Actress, Jessica Tandy, Best Writing, <laughs> and Best Makeup. This movie won Best Writing. Makeup was good. Makeup mm-hmm. was good. Makeup was yeah, good. Yeah, it was, it was nominated for Best Actor with Morgan Freeman. Best Picture? What got... What lost to Driving Miss Daisy in 1989? What the... 1989 <laughs> lost to Driving Miss Daisy? Oh, you were just going... You're going there. You're just going straight there, dog. But what could have lost the drive? Well, before we get to that, 
This man taught her how to fry chicken. Did y'all see that shit? That's a scene. <laughs> I was going to say, they did that better than Green Book. Do you want to talk about because well, Green Book? Rever- no, Green Book is the reverse. I don't know what you don't understand about. They pitched Green Book and they said, what if we did Driving Miss Daisy, but in the reverse, but also reverse. kept the white person as the lead? But just so but y'all I'm know, saying, like, Green Book is one of the worst movies ever made. It's top two in my book. So, top two. Driving Miss Daisy, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. 84. <laughs> Liars. Liars. Yeah, 81%, 81% uh, audience score. That actually feels low. I'm surprised. Really? What, the 84 to 81? 81 feels, both of them feel low to me. Just from... Yeah, well, it's, mm, it's, it's definitely taken into a... I think yeah. the older the people who are polled, the, the, I think it probably increases. Yeah, Old yeah. people yeah. love dropping the states. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Also, they're, they're, they're including more recent reviews, which I'm sure I've dragged it down. You know what I yes. mean? Like people right. who are reviewing it with a okay, modern Okay, then that, that's what it is. Yeah, then, it's not a movie that aged very well. I straight up. The thing is, this movie is Green Book, yo. Like this movie, it aged till 2021 because them niggas won an Oscar. <laughs> they told that man how to eat aged. fried chicken and told him who fucking yo. Listen, Green Book, worst movie ever made. Please, I'm. A, we need to just call the podcast worst movie ever made. Green Book. I'm, I feel like we should just say it. <laughs> this, that's what it is. Bray, what do you want from me? They taught that right. man how to eat fried chicken. Okay? It don't make yes. sense. Box At least office. in this, she taught him how to read. Which is crazy. <laughs> this, is, this, this movie is crazy. This, uh, this, this movie was made don't on a 7.5. You can't read to make me mad when you say that. <laughs> that is Dude. better than... Teaching him how to eat fried chicken. I mean, yeah, he did tell her to turn it down a little it bit. It is let simmer. better when you compare the two. Yeah, that's true. Because he did make he did make fun of her cooking. That was good progress. Go ahead, Bray. This sorry, this movie is, was made for. You're not sorry. This movie was made for seven. I love a, I love a host that just dollars. keeps going on. She's just going to keep trying. moving. I'm really trying. I'm sorry, really trying. trying. My, bad, my, bad, bad, bad. my bad, Bray. Do your job, Bray. My fault. I'm I only bad. had. A, one more fact to say, and <laughs> then we can go. 10 minutes. <laughs> Think about teaching him how to read. Was like, oh my like, Lord. <laughs> start with the B, end with the R. It could have been any number of names. James, but the Baxter. Thing is, James, she says to him, she won't even say the name. She say, go two rows down, and he looks up and he goes, huh? Two rows down, he goes, huh? That's what he do. Oh, my fault. I love how amazed he is by learning how to read. Well, hush my mouth. I sure can read now. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac, thank you for this. There's a lot of time jumping in this movie, by the way. <laughs> the end box office is 100. Uh, Wikipedia says 145 million. That must be from re-releases. I think the original was 106 million, which is still This a movie lot made 106 oh, yeah. million in 1989? 1989, that was big money. People love this movie. It was the best picture of 1989. This, yes, Yo, it was. He literally appears in a scene. When he first shows up, it's another black yep. dude stuck, and he just appears in the back. So much of every character just appear. Because he's magic. Also, though, here's what's interesting about that, is there's a world in which his homie, who was telling Dan Aykroyd about him, actually told him to show up that day. So there's So, like, as much as he appears magically, it's almost like, he was invited already. It's like they 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 baked in, they baked in magical Negro protections into the into the script, 
they, <laughs> that nigga, they cut, they, the, the dude stuck up there, and you know he black by the way he talking. Then you cut to the crowd, and all of a sudden, there's a crowd of black people, and literally Morgan Freeman's head pops from around a tall black dude like, hey, do you see a lever up there? That's what, he just starts talking. <laughs> and his eyes are wide as shit. I'm like, what the, f-? and he's smiling. If, if one of y'all he does stuck, actually, He does actually very slowly get drawn out of the crowd, underscored by a Hans Zimmer, like, magical Negro theme. That's different than the one that I was humming. It's, it's a magical <laughs> yeah. Negro theme. That's I, right. I promise y'all this. All four of y'all, if I ever get stuck on the elevator and I see the surveillance footage and y'all talking to me while smiling, I don't trust none of y'all niggas. That man walks up smiling, <laughs> talking about something. Hey, do you see the lever up there? Winking. Don't you wink. Get me safe. Get me safe. Sorry, Bray. Start it off. I'm getting mad already. Uh, the Lord. crazy part, the, the, the crazier part about this movie, this, this is 1989. Just two years before this, Morgan Freeman is playing one of the baddest pimps you will ever see on screen in a movie called Street Smart where he is just smacking chicks and taking no fucking prisoners. Yeah, he's actually terrifying. Long fingernails, a whole nine. The two movies that made Morgan Freeman famous was A Pimp and then The Magical Negro. Yes. Acting! (laughs) (laughs) He is too good. He is too good for this. He He has played God on more than one occasion. Like, what? Bray, what, what, how do you start? How do we start this movie? Like, oh my god! Many years later. Well, we have to do initial thoughts. Bray, we don't want to, man. I don't want to. Uh... We have guests. You guys can go first. <laughs> Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with earning. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day and up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. And look, guys, I know you're like me. Sometimes unexpected instances come up where you need a little extra cash. I know for me, we, I got two dogs. Every now and then, one of these dogs eat something that they're not supposed to eat. <laughs> they be pooping, on, uh, you know, doing yeah, something. And I'm I like, we got to take this dog to the vet. And the vet's like, you got to give me my money. And I'm like, goodness gracious. Well, that's why you got something like earning because you can make earning a part of your financial routine. Enjoy earnings over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about earning, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Jump Under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Jump Under Podcast, subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See Earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Lay's. Lay's potato chips proudly grow potatoes on over 100 farms across North America. That's right. You're living in a nation full of golden stuff. From 23 million potatoes in Virginia to 366 million potatoes in California in 2022 alone. You can thank your farmers for making your stay golden moments possible. 
Lay's. Stay golden. To learn more, head to goldengrowshere.com. <laughs> Thunderpants! <laughs> what are you laughing at? Laffy Taffy. They have a funny joke on every wrapper, and I love how fruity they are. Banana's my favorite. Want one? Sure. Mmm, so smooth and chewy. I like to eat them after school and after dinner and after... Whenever you need a good LOL? Yeah! So, here's the joke. What do clouds wear under their shorts? Thunderpants. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> Share a delicious Laffy Taffy moment with the people you love. Head to LaffyTaffy.com to shop now. Vincent, would you like to start your initial thoughts of driving Miss Daisy? I, I, I think, I think a, a couple of things that you all, said, you all have said have really captured it. You haven't seen Driving Miss Daisy, but you know about Driving Miss Daisy. Like, I think this is a film that is, it's, its footprint in the culture has always been bigger than it as a film itself. And much like you all, like, the first time I actually watched the film as a film was for our podcast. We did a review of it. I hate watched it a couple of times because my dad loved this movie. And it just infuriated me that he loved the movie. But I've always been shocked at just how mediocre it is as a film like just as a film just just you, you know we've talked about it won the best picture but i think the other factoid that's equally as important it's one of a small handful of films that won the best picture oscar and the director was not nominated for best director and billy crystal actually makes this famous joke at the oscars and he says this is the film that apparently directed itself because it always kind of had this, this, this presence as a cultural phenomenon. You know, it's 1989. It's very volatile at the moment. And I think frankly, it made white people feel good. So regardless of the quality of it as a film, they all, it's always been more of a phenomenon than a film. So that's that's always my initial thought when I rewatch it. You know, I rewatched it a couple of months ago for the class of 1989. And I'm always just like, this is just a really mediocre film for us to still be talking about it. So that's my initial thought. Lynn likes it more than me. I like the movie. I no, don't, don't you dare. Hey. Oh, wow. Hey. There wow. we go. There we go. Wow. There we go. Lynn, wow. <laughs> yeah. We are not a monolith, brothers. Look, look, it's got, it's, it's got issues, all right. It's it's not it's it's not a movie that you show the homies. It's not a movie you put up in the in the barbershop at all. It's not a music. It's not a movie that I'm proud of. But <laughs> I gotta say that for the first time I watched this movie, to every time I watch this movie, I do get taken in by like the sentimentality of just you know James was joking. The friendship that grows between Hulk and Miss Daisy. And I get taken in by it. And it's corny as fuck. And I'm not saying it's the best movie of 89. No, no way. I'm not saying that at all. It does not deserve the acclaim that it got. I ain't saying that at all. 
But at the end of the day, I, I, I do, I do, I do like driving Miss Daisy. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy we got somebody. I'm happy we got somebody. I f- yeah. I feel like I should go after Lynn. I feel like Melissa is about to disconnect me from the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can understand what you were saying, right? I can understand what you're saying. There is something about the it is very like you can get caught you could get caught up in in their relationship because they just, you know, start so at odds, you know, and you just want to see that carmudgeonly elderly woman just get to grow to love this man or whatever, right? Like I get that. There's there's also something about it, like it being based on a play that still feels very much like that. Like it like feels very much like a play, like especially the especially the earlier scenes where where you know the first line that the first line I think is mama a uh, mama are we gonna have to talk about it now or something like that <laughs> just like, and it just you can see them on stage doing that you know and and energy of 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 those first few scenes you know and so like I'll just say that I I like what Driving Miss Daisy did for Morgan Freeman in his career, you know, like from doing it on stage to being, to, to doing it in the, 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 the movie and, you know, and like, and then that propelling him to being the Morgan Freeman that we come to, to know and love. I do like that. But then like, yeah, it's, it's hard not to, this being my first time seeing it, I can imagine that had I seen this before now, I'd be like, yeah, Driving Miss Daisy. Like, hey listen it's great you know like i would that would be my uh, opinion of it but like you know watching it now it's just sort of like i can't help but only be thinking about green book and how much i hated that (laughs) and then then only making comparisons to the two i said this earlier i guess off mic but that it's you know dry miss daisy the the academy loved that so much that they wanted to give it the oscar twice so they gave it (laughs) to green book later on you know it's just like these types of these relationships yeah, among between black and white people or black people and Jewish people, black people and Italians or whatever the whatever the mix is that they're trying to 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 perpetuate, you know, it just feels like it feels hack. It might not have been hack then, but it feels that, you know, you know, way now. So that's me. That's my initial thoughts. Sorry. Right, rock, paper, scissors, right? You wanna go when we go. I honestly don't know. I'm gonna be gentle. I'm gonna, <laughs> look, look, I'll go. I'll go. Look, I'm gonna say. Yeah, this. you go. You kind of said. Yeah, your listen. Stuff. Yeah, I'm go. gonna say this movie is a steaming pile of hot garbage. Okay, and it's one of those <laughs> things where, like, it's one of those Could things gentle. where I was well, watching. You didn't say it. shit. No, I didn't. I didn't. I thought about it. I thought about it because Green Book is shit. Green Book is the shit, <laughs> and not the good shit. Like that is shit. That's Green Book. Worst movie ever made. Top two worst movies ever made. The thing about this movie that made me sad is like the whole time I was watching this as a as a person who auditions and stuff, and as I get older, I'm like, man, Morgan Freeman is so talented. And I'm like, there's one scene. The opening scene was tough for me. Like the opening scene when he's like doing his magic at first, and then when he's sitting down talking to Dan Aykroyd, the amount of times he like straightened his neck and smiled and said, boss, I was like, he was 50-something at the time of making this. And I'm like, this is a grown-ass man. And he's chucking and jiving. Like, I was like, I know, it's, man. And what sucks about this movie, I think I just had, like, a panic attack because there are certain actors that I think are just legendary outside of being black, but just, like, legendary. I think of, like, Morgan Freeman. I think of, I think Mahershala Ali will be a legend. You know what I mean? He's on his way. I think, like, Viola Davis is legendary. And I'm like, these people 
have all had to play these subservient kind of like roles where a white person understands that they're human by just being, by like the black person somehow convincing them. And like watching Morgan Freeman the whole time at one point when he's trying to like get her like to like him. Oh, I don't know, ma'am. Like I, uh, something about me wanted to throw up and I'm like, I'm looking at him smile and his neck, it was the neck, man. His neck kept moving in a kind of way where I'm like, yo, niggas necks don't move like this. No, like it's like, he was just like every five seconds straightening his neck. And the thing is, I know he's putting on a character to do this. And what sucks about it is that in the last scene of the movie, when like they're both old as shit, he finally gets to like talk as a normal human being when she's old as shit. Finally. And and the thing is, I'm wondering if, if he would have spoken because, I mean, this movie takes place in from the 30s to, like, 79. My mom was, like, in the 40s. And, like, I know kind of how, like, my grandma and them used to talk. Like, I know they didn't talk like this. And I'm like, I wonder if this movie would have had the same appeal to Caucasians and would have benefited his career in a certain kind of way if he wouldn't have pandered to what, to me, feels like a form of minstrel work. But he had to do it. And I'm like, what, what happens if we got to do it? Like, I don't know. I just had this weird thing of, like, this this dude is doing the thing that, outside of putting on blackface. You know what I mean? And, like, he got awarded for it. Or, uh, you know, I I did not like this movie. I, I will not like this movie. I remember seeing the VHS tape and being like, I don't like the cover of this. I went to HBO Max, and HBO Max was like, are you sure you want to watch Driving Miss Daisy? And I was like, yes, because these motherfuckers are making me. <laughs> 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 that's what they said. But anyway, yeah, that's me being gentle. And for the listeners at home who always DM me that I don't like movies, just know now, I'm about to shit on this movie for an hour straight. I will not say a good thing about it, except for the makeup. But then at one point, I was like, these, everybody old. So I was like, I don't even know how old they're getting. But anyway, Bray, to you, baby. Well, and that's why the makeup was good. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> here's my thing. As a, as a film, as a movie, best picture, a little much. As a movie, I get it. It's fun. It's like there's a fun little soundtrack that James introed for us in the beginning. Acting is, does, you know, the acting is very good. You know, the characters are very clear. It's, you know, there's not like a huge, it's not like, there's not a, like a lot of super exciting scenes, but you like, you get it, you know, and you kind of understand the feeling that the movie is trying to evoke from its audience. So like, it's a fun little, it's like a fun little movie. I cannot describe how much damage i think this this has done to race relations in america like i'm like and i and i'm specifically this film (laughs) and and that's without like because we were talked about like people even if you haven't seen it it's just i think that it's movies like this that are so insidious because the people who watch it are the white people who watch it think that they're doing a good thing they're relating to the white characters within the film who are like i'm not prejudiced and then like are like okay like i guess there are some things that i didn't realize and that's okay like now like we're understanding each other a little bit more and they don't realize like how much they are perpetuating racism and systemic racism and like they're like it's like that's the reason like that's the reason that white people in 2023 
you know, were still like, what are you talking about? I'm racist because they didn't understand what the term racist even meant. They just thought that if they didn't want to kill black people, that they weren't racist as if that's this the bar. <laughs> this is the bar is you don't want to just kill me because of the color of my skin. Like, yeah, there's some weird extreme people who do that. But the reality is racism was implemented not for genocide. It was to keep a whole group of people subservient and make them seem like they are not so much human so they could be property and then eventually just servants like you know like some form of slavery that technically wasn't slavery but in reality still is you know like it's a mo- it's movies like this anyway we'll we'll talk about it i think there's like two different pieces of it it's like the film side of it and then the actual like what's going on and like how much again because it feels harmless. Like the score is so harmless. The score for this whole movie is like, it's like, this is fun. This is fun. This woman is so racist. She's racist throughout the entire movie. And my opinion, she never changes. I don't, I actually think she wasn't, she said she wasn't two times. And yeah, she constantly says she's not prejudiced. She never, she never gets to a point where she was like, I was prejudiced. She actually, She's in some of these movies, at least do the bare like hidden figures do the bare minimum of like the people like learning a little thing, you know, like this movie, she actually doesn't even learn. She never learns. She never learns. She at the end of the movie thinks that he's her best friend. She dies thinking that this man who (laughs) her son paid for literally the entire time is her friend and she never treats him like a friend ever. No, she doesn't. Don't your friends come and feed you pie? (laughs) And she got him a book. Don't forget, she got him a book. So that's friendship, Bray. Yeah, she wanted she wanted her servant to be able to read. Also, <laughs> like, how was he driving? To help her. How was he driving around looking at the signs on the freeway in, in the streets? Listen, you don't need to be able to know the signs to drive. You don't. You don't need to. But say they go, and he's like, you just need to generally know where you're going. Well, they never. <laughs> they never left. Remember, they only left Georgia the one time, and she was. She had the map. The whole time, and they got lost. And they got, and they got lost. lost. Yeah. And they got lost. <laughs> so, what are you thinking for lunch? Uh, I can't. I'm getting new window treatments. Why don't you just go to Blinds.com? Because I need custom products. Blinds.com products are made to order, and they ship samples to you fast and free. Wow, how convenient. Tell me more. They can even verify your measurements and handle the installation. Plus, their 100% satisfaction guarantee. Well, you've convinced me. Let's go eat. I've got time now. Shop Blinds.com and save 40% on selected products. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. Whatever you're into, with Amazon Prime, you can go deep. So if you're all about pop right now, you could watch pop documentaries on Prime Video. Discover pop playlists on Amazon Music Prime. And if you're really serious, order a rhyming dictionary with fast free shipping from Prime. From shopping to streaming to saving, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. All right, so let's let's go through. Hey, Bray, it. Yeah, just this... for the record, that was muted in what I said, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't think it's mean. <laughs> and and you know, the movie wants the "You're My Best Friend" to be. That's the moment of learning. No, I was I was going to say yes. The, the movie does want to land on that, like you know, that's the you know the big things, like you know, you're my best friend. But if you really peep that scene, he doesn't respond to that because he knows that 
we're not friends. Like, he, I think he is always present in who he is in this relationship, right? He does this, he is always cognizant of, of the hierarchy it, it, between the two of them. And to your point about, the, about his neck and everything and how he's moving, I peeped it as the same way that she never learns anything is because when we're introduced to both of them, they're both old. So they're both two old people that are already set in their ways. They didn't grow old together. They just grow older together. They were already set in their ways, which meant that he, in this time, was already a dude who, in the midst, because this goes through the whole, like, into the civil rights movement and and things bubbling up all all across the country. And he's kind of like set in his ways and watching all how the world is changing on television, even though the world is never changing in that house between him and Miss Daisy and and Florida sitting there as as the maid dying on a stool. Like the world never changes in, in there. He is always cognizant of exactly where he is in that in that universe. Man, at one point, my, we talk about this movie from the very top. My, oh, so my question was, if this movie didn't win an Oscar, would we also have the other top five worst movies of all time? No, in no particular order. Green Book, The Help, and Hidden Figures. You don't like Hidden Figures? No, let me tell you why I like Hidden Figures. <laughs> because those women were so fucking intellectual. And the woman that Taraji plays in particular even says, because she was in the, she's still alive, was in a wheelchair and was like, yo, I ain't never fucking run to no goddamn bathroom. They had this black woman run into a bathroom and play Pharrell. Like playing like little, the same, same little poppy music. They had her running a mile to the goddamn bathroom. And then they had a white dude who didn't fucking exist break down a colors only church. Well, who is this nigga? Where is he? What is he doing? Then on top of that, on top of that, they're like, oh, look, black women, you did so much work. We're going to have you come in the room to look at the astronaut, too. They never let her in that room, no matter how much work she did. She barely got the credit for it. So I'm like, if you're going to do the movie, don't sit here and try to make the movie like white people finally figured out what to do. It's like, no, in doing so, you're undercutting how smart, how fucking, how much perseverance these fucking black women had. Because at the end of the day, even though they were treated like shit, they still was out here fighting for that goddamn country to get these goddamn astronauts back. But at the end of the day, we had Kevin Costner breaking down a bathroom sign. Fuck that movie. That movie, I'm looking at the help and the cake. You gonna have this black woman give a white woman a shit cake and make a joke and play more poppy music? Until James noticed it, all these movies had the same thing. Fucking poppy music when fucked up things happen. Literally, every single time, when they taught that nigga how to eat fried chicken, excuse me for saying the N-word, I'm going to try to stop. They had happy music when he was eating fried chicken. Fried chicken? Uh, all bad. I'll say that I do think, to answer your question, I do think that it is a delicate house of cards that if you do remove one movie, you don't, they, it all falls apart. Like, without Driving Miss Daisy, we don't get to the point where they're like, you know what, we should do a movie with three black women at the center of it who say, you know, like, that, like Hollywood's not going to open that door, you know, without that. We needed the Driving Miss Daisy to get to, to that. It's a shame, but I don't know that they directly, I don't think they directly correlate as much as, like, as Green Book. Like, Green Book, yeah, to Bray's point, that was the pitch. The pitch was, like, this is driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> like, but but the races are reversed. Also, a film that won Best Picture, and the director was not nominated. 
Yeah, that's that is funny. That it's only happened like four times in in the history, and two of them are that's basically the same film. This movie starts with Miss Daisy crashing her car. I'll say they get into it quick, probably because the play starts with Mama. We got to talk about the blah blah blah, and then we learn what happens in that first scene, like a little bit later. But it's cool. I do like how I did like this. I'm gonna say this. I did like you know her car crashing that she turns around and then driving Miss Daisy comes across the bed. I was like, okay, <laughs> two minutes and forty five seconds. I see you, James. The egregiousness of this movie happens immediately after that because you know what happens. Everybody in the neighborhood comes out to look, including the white neighbors. But at one point, this a, a black couple were looking like, oh shit, and then a white lady comes over, whispers in their ears, and basically like, get your ass back to work. And literally, the guy goes, uh huh, and walks off. And I'm like, basically, in that scene, what it establishes is that this woman's a hot mess, but the white people can make fun of her for being a hot mess. But don't you dare let the black people whisper, whisper anything, and they get sent back to their job. It's like, anytime you no, see a black person... Is that the foolishness of the movie, or is that accurate? That's, 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 that's just the realness yeah, of the time, though. You can't... Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. but this is my thing about it, though. My thing about it is, immediately when I see a black person in this movie, before, before I see any other type of Negro in this movie, all I see is subservient black people, period. So to me, it's like, I'd rather you just have the white people in the neighborhood being like, oh, Daisy, oh, no. I'm, looking at, I'm, I'm literally looking at maids and butlers, like, for some reason, all outside and all get shushed by random white people. And I'm like, I didn't need to see that yet. You know what I mean? Like, it's trying to, it's, it's setting, it's telling you what the culture is of this time and how, because they, they, this film doesn't use, like, this film doesn't have, you know, lower thirds that are like, it's 1948, it's 1950. They should have done that because there's certain times I was like, what? Yeah, what, what year what, are we what? in? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, wait a minute. 15 years have passed? So, since At when? At one point, Dan Aykroyd had very gray hair and his he was very balding. And I was like, oh, it was, it was like, that was what they were like. They were like, oh, this is what has changed. <laughs> but it was like, what? There was no, I had no idea otherwise. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's very much like, look, that's the thing is that they, they do these very soft kind of, hey, like these, you know, this is a racist time and, a, and, and some, there are racist people here. And even like, even Dan Aykroyd yeah, at a certain point in the movie, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go to the MLK dinner because of what it might look like, you know. Well, they're definitely trying to. They're definitely trying to take a, do a whitewash on the how how you know blatant and baked in the racism was there at this time. They kind of give it, you know, put, spray some pledge on it, you know, and that and and that primarily is one of the biggest things about this movie that it. It doesn't wear well. And, and we talked about in the class of 1989 because it's trying to have his cake and eat it, too. Like, yeah, this was racist times, but, you know, it wasn't it wasn't racist, racist. It was just it was just racist. It wasn't it wasn't like that bad. Yeah, they're not lynching people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really what it is. Like, oh, okay. there's no strange fruit. Yeah. Well, you know, appropriately enough, because we're talking about the Oscars. I remember Chris Rock talking about these period pieces to, to, you know, to your point, draw about how they kind of sugarcoat things where Chris Rock said, you can't depict the actual history because it's too much. And he talked about how black people had to go to veterinarians for, you know, for a dentist. 
And, you know, just that level of depravity that black people had to deal with on the daily. You can't put that in a movie and expect people to go see the movie. So you got to make up Kevin Costner tearing down these signs. You got to make up, you, you know, I find the whole relationship between Miss Daisy and Hope just frankly absurd. Like, like you hire this black man that you just met and then you leave him in the house with your mother for, you know, by themselves. Like this just didn't happen. Like so much of it. And, and, you know, you think about something like the help where, you know, all those historians came out, put an ad in the paper and they're like, we all have PhDs in history. We're telling you this did not happen. The dude that Mahershala Ali plays in the green book, his family is like, this is absurd. The audiences for these films just do not care. Like, they just do not care. You tell them history did not happen like this, and they're just like, well, this is what we like, though. So, you know, what you gonna do? Right, and that's my point and like, how much harm it does, because it does have this, like, rose-colored glasses of... Because the thing is, the movie is still talking about race. Race is at the center of it. And it's trying to deal with it in some way, you know, and like sugarcoat it so it goes down smooth. But the thing is, in the sugarcoating of it, it's actually taking away any real like vitamins of, you know, hey, all the nutrients are gone. You know, it's like, what are we what are you actually learning? You're actually teaching people to me the wrong lessons like, oh, it's okay. Like this this woman is. First of all, okay, so I, I, well, yeah, just to go back to the movie, like, yeah, she, he, he gets hired. He does, a, he kind of appears. He was, we find out he was invited there by a friend and he's there looking for a job. And he, and he's like very much like, oh, I love working for Jewish people. You know, a lot of people <laughs> say Jewish people are cheap. I saw yeah. smoke. <laughs> he's like, a lot of people say Jewish people are cheap, but like, nah, not around me. You know, I thought that was a funny way of him negging this <laughs> the guy. Yeah. And talks his way into getting the job, but like immediately she doesn't want it. Well, first of all, she doesn't want to drive her because she thinks she can drive. And even if she can't, she doesn't want to feel like she's putting on airs. And there's this very re this recurring back and forth between them of him being like, you're rich. Why, why would you walk? Why would you take a bus? Like you're rich. And she's like, I'm not rich. I'm not rich. I'm not rich, which is supposed to be like fun and cute. But I was like, this is the real, this is like a real problem that white people have of not accepting their privilege, right? Like this is one of the main things that like we still to this day, when people hear the term white privilege, they cringe, you know, like I have family members who my sister and I, this is actually my sister decided to do this because my mom is white. And so we have a whole white side of the family. And my sister around the time of I forgot, a few years ago was like, hey, you know, 2020 after the June, after George Floyd was like, let's talk to our white family members and talk to them about some of this stuff just so they can hear it from us. And was talking about things like white privilege. And, you know, my mom's side of the family, they're lower, they're, they were like grew up kind of working class, you know, lower middle class but lower middle class kind of none of them the word privilege feels like what do you mean yeah you it's know, not like, the same I, you don't have yeah. are you kidding me i'm not rich are you kidding me like rich. yeah yeah like <laughs> like we don't have money like we're struggling to pay our bills like we have debt like we are not rich we don't have privilege we don't have famous rich blah 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 but like 
just the idea of like, yes, but there are also things in America that set up in this way, just, just on the fact that you look white, you can get that black people don't have access to. And that's more than just your inheritance. And then this woman is like, same, she does, she basically says the same thing. I didn't grow up rich. She starts to say like what she had to, I forgot whatever like lame story she had about when she was Her like a dad kid. worked and she was a teacher. And I was like, all right, yeah. but who you married and they struggled to pay a bill or two or something. It was like some Yeah, struggled to pay like a that. bill. And it's like the same, it's like the exact same. It was so funny because I'm like, this is the exact same thing that people are saying today. She says, we know though that she is actually rich and she does have privilege and she never, it, Throughout the entire film, to my knowledge, she never acknowledges it. No, she didn't. She says she ain't rich three times. She doesn't acknowledge. Right. She doesn't acknowledge it. But uh, let me, let me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Send your letters to the Michelle Mission. Defend this Defend this. (laughs) But let me me just offer up this possible argument that in her saying that she's not rich, remembering the, the time in which this is set and how old she is, that this is a person, because she does say her daddy wasn't rich. Her daddy worked for everything she got. This was a woman who was raised and lived through and family lived through the Great Depression and seeing how fucked up it was for money at that time. And I know from my grandparents, who definitely on a different scale, lived through that as well, how much that changed their viewpoint on how they held on to a dollar. Because my grandfather, my grandparents, they weren't rich, but they weren't poor either, right? They were probably like they were they were black rich. Let's put it that way. And in, in in around that time, right? But you couldn't tell him that. He had this his little corner store and then he was making his money out of it. But you couldn't tell him that he was had more money than anybody else on the block. He had stock and Campbell's soup and all this type of shit. But he held on to every dollar. My grand my grandfather died. He still had framed the first three dollars he ever made. He had a, a, a check for a dollar fifty that he never cashed. He that was just a different mindset. And is it not? possible that she also had that mindset when she's saying I'm not rich I'm not rich because of how she did grow up in the in the world in which she grew up no she did I mean that's my whole thing is that she does have that mindset and it and there is a there is a justification from from a class point of view but it's also her justification to ignore racism well that's true (laughs) I give you that you know what I mean yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like that's how that's how in even to de- to this day, so many white people ignore racism based off of class, as if because you're from a lower class, there therefore, you know, you don't have any privilege over black people because you also are poor. It's like, well, no, that's not true. <laughs> like that's just not how it is, especially in this time. My God, <laughs> like yeah. right. I love driving with Uber. Because I have access to 24-7 live support, which is really great because I like to drive at night. I like to know I have support in the middle of the night or early in the morning. I can chat with a live agent 24-7. As a female driver, I get it. You need to feel protected. And Uber has our back for sure. Uber. Earn like a boss. Sign up to earn today at uber.com slash boss. So you open Google Chrome on your phone, you're hunting for a super rare first edition vinyl of a band you're obsessed with when you're supposed to be working. But this site you tapped on seems pretty shady. 
and Daryl from IT just jumped up from his desk. Oh no, he's coming your way. It's a good thing built-in malware protection keeps you safe and sound. Not from Daryl though, sorry. There's no place like Chrome. Download Google Chrome on your phone. Well, I'll just say, say that, like, I... And I can also just appreciate her not wanting to flaunt having any kind of... Money. Like, that I connected with. She was just like, you're right in front of the church. Like, everyone's gonna see. Like, like I don't want to do that. You know, it's like, there's other chauffeurs. Yeah, but but not me. You know, like, you know, like, I... That I I I get that, but but for me to to the point that everyone is is saying it it made it hard for me to connect to the journey that the two were were going on because it felt like to deconstruct like the the class issues and the race issues was a lot, so it just felt like they were it was just all there, <laughs> you know, and it kind of kind of existing in a way that 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 for the movie to be this like sweet <laughs> it was like no you can't just like ha- it felt very it, like like it's why i like don't like not all plays but wh- why 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 the like script analysis and 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 you know new playness of off broadway can be so annoying because it's like well we had that line about this and then it's like pat me on the back for <laughs> for having any sort of little moment like that anyway yeah. <laughs> oh no, man. This, like, let's, let's get into it because that stuff is hard for me because I feel like I, I, I'm gonna be real. I, I feel like you know I brought this up again. Like, where my parents live right now is a very poor black and poor white area, but at the end of the day, there is a superiority where like they can still call me and some of the neighboring people the N word. So it's like when I hear people talk about being broke and poor, I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, because of how America is built, you still have a let. Again, if I am rich and you are a poor white person, you can still try to belittle me by calling me the N-word. So it's like, when I hear about like the struggle, I'm like, bro, your struggle ain't the same. And the thing that bothers me, bro, it bothers me so much. It's like, I'm not trying to play like who has it worse, but like, no dog, we, it's not the same. It's not, it's not the same. It's like, I don't give a fuck how if a white person comes from the trailer park. If they get pulled over by the cops, their interaction is going to be different than mine, especially if I'm in a nice car, which they end up having in this movie. So when I hear white people talk about, oh my God, I had to work for this. I had to pull up my bootstraps. I'm like, bitch, you had bootstraps. It's like, I literally, I literally used to watch my grandmother outside, no shoes, dealing with fucking chickens and pigs, bruh. Like in my lifehood, and I'm looking about white people talking about, oh man, I had to do this and this. I'm like, your work, your work isn't the same, bro. It's not. And the thing is, I get bothered. Where I'm like, it is okay to be white. It is okay to have privilege. It just acknowledge the shit. It's like, yo, man, I as a person who's from DC does not have the same type of struggles that my cousins had in like South Carolina. I don't. I don't. I didn't come up with the same shit. I didn't have to deal with some of the same shit they had to deal with. I experienced it when I went to go visit them, but I know it's different. And so for me, every time I hear someone try to, literally, I, I was watching South Park, and had that fake commercial about white people saying, oh, they took tests, and it was like, oh, we're not white, we're not this, we're not this. I'm like, bro, it is fine. Be white, it's cool. Like, Nepo babies, be Nepo babies, man. Like, that's great, good for you. You don't have to fucking struggle. So to see this white lady who has a driver, 
a driver talk about some I'm I'm not rich. I'm like, for what? Who who are you who is this for? Like he even says, if I had what you had, I'd be flaunting the shit. But being broke sucks. It sucks. So when I hear people say this shit, it's like this that makes me more mad because it's for show. It's like for what, bro? There's also there's also a level of like it's, I was so annoyed. I, it's like I hear what you're saying, James, but also I'm like this <laughs> that I mean I, I guess it's you're talking about like your family member being the same way of like holding on to that money because they came from that kind of thing. But it's like you have all this money and you keep saying you're not rich, but you are. But you're also still cheap. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so annoying. It's it's the most annoying thing. It's like, so you're just going to bury this? Like, what do you think money is for? I mean, I and I understand that. I understand the the culture and the way just the inherent terribleness of capitalism makes people have this like survivalist mode where they feel like they have to, you know, like stock things up and po- pile them away. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's just like, all right. So anyway, we should talk about more. What are you going to say? But it's there? just what, what, what makes the specific thing that I have an issue with is like, yes, she has like Idella in the house and stuff. But like she was literally dry. She was going to keep driving. She was going to drive until she got into an accident and died on the road. Right. Like that's what this woman was going to do. Which is also do. just a stubborn uh, elderly thing to do. You know what I mean? Like a lot of old people. Uh, yeah. That's actually a real <laughs> issue. But like, so then because of that, it's like, it's, she would have never hired this black man or anyone to drive her <laughs> around. Like she was never going to drive. Like that's what I feel like is there, it's like, an, there's an inherent, <laughs> there's an inherent problem even beyond the money and class of it all that like this woman just was never, it's almost like they're like hire a black driver, ma'am. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> just do it. Flaunt the black, you know, like <laughs> hire more black people to be subservient to you, which I don't think is what they mean. You know, anyway, I know, but it's also funny because part of the reason she didn't, it's, it's part of the reason she didn't want him there wasn't just, it, it was like, it wasn't because it was she also, was like, well, I, I don't, don't want, want people to see me with this black man. Yeah, like it yeah. was also that. <laughs> I don't want this black <laughs> man in my yeah. house. <laughs> That's what it was. She's like, this black dude's going to steal something. They always do. She kept saying she they. Was, she was so yeah. happy when she fought, when she saw the the salmon, the yeah. missing salmon. Like she was ready to pin it on this black dude. I know, I know. <laughs> and that's the turning point, right, in the film. <laughs> she thinks that the she thinks that Morgan Freeman stole a can of salmon, or, or she she's like, I know it, I saw it, and she's like complaining, and and her son is like, it's thirty three cents. Here's a dollar. Here's ten dollars. Why do you care about this? <laughs> Who cares? And she's like, it's the principal. It's my things. And they're always trying to take my things, you know, whatever that is. And then he comes back in and he's like, oh, by the way, I, and he's like, he's like, maybe he was hungry. She's like, well, I fed him. Like, I was like, whoa, I guess my, it's not a pet. <laughs> the thing that kills me about stuff is like this, is like this was someone's, in this movie, someone's mom. And I think the hardest part, especially about when 2020 hit, is that, some of those same racist people, like I know there's so many photos of like young kids, young white kids looking at people who are hung and people realizing, oh, that person is now 70. You know what I mean? Like that person is just a grandparent. And so when I see things and Bray, I'm, I'm really leaning towards what you're saying where I think this movie did more damage because there are people like this old lady who are meaner and way more racist, but people brush it off as like, oh, she's old, it's cute, it's my grandma. And I'm like, that shit continues. Well, like, I'm looking at, like, even when I think about the worst movie ever made, Green Book, in Green Book, 
all he does at one point is like the people around him crap on black people openly. Like even the even even the famous TV show, which I just watched, I've only made it three episodes in of Pranos, they crap on black people so often. And it's just like this is the the opening of the departed, Jack Nicholson and his opening monologue before you see his face, he shits on black people. Like immediately. Like the the, the credit hasn't rolled yet, and he shits on black people in particular. Casino, they crap on black people. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm watching these movies, and I'm like, all these things get brushed aside because it's old talk. It's cute. Oh, that's just how they are. And I'm like, that shit gets passed down because the future president, DeSantis, is going to do the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, he learned that from somebody hey, else. you can't keep doing this. What are you talking hey, about? it's two weeks of this future yeah, president listen, DeSantis future, stuff. You're going to have to stop. Stop. You're going to have to stop. The future <laughs> president, what you want to, you want to just call him President DeSantis? He, well, listen, can you mute? I need no, you to mute Gerard's no. mic if you're going to keep about it like saying this, this nonsense. The person, the, no, but seriously, all jokes is that you watch a movie like this, and I know it's such a far leap for people, but I'm like, you can think about the racist person you know, the racist lady in your neighborhood, and then you look at a person like DeSantis, and you're like, how could a person be so dumb that they want to stop black history and certain parts of American history from being taught? And it's like, oh, it's because that person listened to their grandmother or grandfather or that uncle who you thought was like cute or crazy. But that kid listened and agrees now. And now that person has power to stop black people from going to the polls. Or there's another person who can physically stop you from studying things in college. Like, it's crazy. But we like, you know, this lady ain't cute to me, dog. This lady ain't cute. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah! Melissa, keep my mic on, please. <laughs> <laughs> keep my mic on, please. <laughs> Oh my God! I think there's something to how it 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 almost gentrifies racism, and and, and you, you know where it's just like a quirky character flaw almost. And and to your point about these films that were kind of built on the foundation of Driving Miss Daisy, I think you do see that. Where, where this is just, a, you, you know, you have these racist characters, oftentimes in these period pieces. And it is a case of when you're racist, somehow that's just a, a, a character flaw that can be dealt with. And, and something that, that is particularly insidious about Driving Miss Days, just to parrot what some of you have said, she doesn't change. Like, like there is no real come to Jesus moment. Like, like you, you know, we, we, we joke about Hoke, you're my best friend. But the dynamic between the two of them never changes. Like something I, that I thought the last time I watched it, I think I would have had an entirely different view of this film with one change. If at the very end, if Hoke was sick and she brought that could have changed everything. But they have this, like, it's the exact same relationship from the very beginning to the very end. So what is the friendship action? Like, what is the actual arc? There is even that that other, that other kind of fr- olive branch, I guess, of, like, when she's like, you know, <laughs> I can't remember Dan Aykroyd's name, but Dan Aykroyd said the funny, Boogie, Boogie, Boogie? Bodie. Bo- I think Bodie. Bodie, something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, you're gonna call this an olive branch this moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, but when she goes, but when she, but when she goes, when she, you know what the part I'm talking about? When she's like, oh man, I, uh, you know, the, the, he said you wanted to go to to the Martin Luther King, you know, your friend Martin Luther King. See, he, he said you wanted to go to his hear him speech, and then and then he interprets it as an ask, as she was literally asking him to go in that moment. And it took her literally until right then to ask him because of her, because she's so stubborn and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. But like, to me, that was the, that, besides maybe a couple other conversations they had had before this, that was the most like overt, like she likes him thing that happened, <laughs> you know, like in the- That's in such the, a low bar. That's a very low bar, yeah. admittedly. Is it a bar if you can step over it? Yeah. <laughs> but like that, that's part of, you know, they, that's the, the most I think they ever did. Everything else was even weaker sauce well, than that. I, it's I would the think. most that he taught. He like talks back to her a little bit. Well, well that and the, and then when he has to go to the bathroom, but like, but also if yeah. she literally was asking him, you know, like if we are to believe that him, but she literally says, I wasn't asking you. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying, but but again, you know, if I'm if I'm doing if I'm in my little uh, American theater class and I'm doing my script analysis on the subtext of this dumb scene, <laughs> it's that it's that she really was asking him, you know, and she just didn't want to, you know, even though she says out loud that right. And it's and it's it's it's. And then he doesn't go. And then he doesn't go. <laughs> he doesn't go. He it's doesn't get to see Martin Luther King Jr. speak because one, she said, well, you, I'm like, you know him. You know him, not of him. She literally thought he knew him personally. Knew him, knew him personally, exactly. And it's then ridiculous. was like, well, I'm sure you've seen him speak. And he's like, I, nope. He literally says like, I've seen him the same way you have on television <laughs> and the radio. And then she's like, well, anyway, here's this funny thing. He thought you wanted to go to this. Did you tell him you wanted to go? And he says, no, I didn't tell him that. And she goes, exactly. It's, it's silly to think that you would even want to go. She's an asshole, bro. Yeah. Like this whole movie. Yeah. Like this she's whole terrible movie. She's an asshole. asshole. The whole yeah. movie. It's she, gross. She it's doesn't gross. come close to empathize. She never comes even close to empathizing with but him. But the movie like, really wants us to think. It really wants us to think that she was asking him to go and that because of what he's... Even that, yeah. though, James, is what I'm saying is that even if she was asking him to go, it had nothing to do with her thinking, maybe he wants to go. It had everything to do with, I want someone to go with me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's the other it's, biggest it's, problem it's of the movie. She, right, yeah. It has nothing to do with her giving anything to him. When we see her alone in the car when he goes, when he has to go to the bathroom, you know, that scene of her just sitting there alone is her being like, I don't want to be alone. It's not her being like, I want, I want him. <laughs> it's so, it's, and, and it's just, and the, I'm the, literally, I'm literally scared of sitting in this car alone and, and being, and the fact that I've isolated everyone from my life because of the person of who I am. I've, I've pushed everyone away and I have nobody. I mean, it is a set at the end of the day. It's like sad. It's about this miserable, like old woman, like who is so set in her ways and like so selfish and, and, <laughs> 
racist <laughs> that her, the only friends she had, like her closest friends are her servants, you know, that she pays. And even they, even they, she doesn't actually care about. She, she They're just there all the time taking care of her. You know what I mean? Like she, and the, the other thing about this movie is that we, yes, Morgan Freeman is one of the leads, but we don't know, we barely know anything about him. You know, we get snippets well, here and is. there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they don't we, we know investigate nothing about him. And we only know that he has a daughter. That's pretty much all I we know. Until she showed up yeah. and she was 37. I was like, he had a. No, he yeah. says. He said at the beginning? He says that he had a daughter. He it, yeah, yeah, he yeah. mentions it in, right in the beginning. He says that he got a granddaughter. And, yeah. and he also says it but in that's the. It. In we the, don't see her. <laughs> when he, go, when right, he drives yeah. through. When he finally goes into Alabama, he's like, wow, it's yeah, my first time leaving my, Alabama. Mm-hmm. My daughter is a jet setter because of... Or what is insane to me is that this movie makes time to follow Dan Aykroyd to work multiple times. It makes time to follow Dan Aykroyd home to his wife and have a subplot of like the mom and the wife not getting along. But at no point, so much, so much, but at no Who's point... Also- Who's also oh, racist, by the way. Yeah, oh, sorry, is, she, is she? Like, the thing is, like, she was like, she, she oh, was, yeah. right? She was oh, racist. Yeah. <laughs> she was she racist. She was really racist. <laughs> she, it, it, just, it just, I think these movies are, are, are killing me because we're supposed to see these people who are genuinely bad people. And I think it's okay to say that this old lady is not a kind person. She is not a sweet person. For whatever reason she's gotten to this way, we don't even understand that she's lived a rough enough life to make her become cold and an asshole because when we find her, she is a cushy living human who was a teacher. So she married Rich. And I'm like, cool. Anyway. But I'm like, we don't see, we don't see Morgan Freeman like hang with his friends. We don't see Morgan Freeman with that granddaughter. We don't see Morgan Freeman walk home. At least in the help, we saw freaking Viola Davis walk a mile to her house. We saw we 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 yeah, ended up then, having a scene of her in her kitchen at least, and that's again. I don't know if you can call it anything special when you can step over it, but at the end of the day, we had something. And Morgan Freeman is a dude who got nominated for an Oscar, and we never. Bro, what is his last name? What is he like? He said one time at the very beginning. At the beginning, he said, "Bro, come on, man." Yeah. Did he like baseball? Yeah, we know we we know he's good at getting hired and making a like a deals i guess and yeah because we know virtually every job that man has because every scene he's doing a different thing or talking about a different thing yeah. related to not a, job a strong that he reader to. not a strong reader though yes not a we strong. got a whole subplot about how he can't read yeah and he can't read he knows his life and that's the thing that's the big thing that she gives to him you know he there's a scene which he admits he can't read and she's like she says that's ridiculous. That's her catchphrase. Instead of if saying, "If you know your ABCs, then you know how to read." Then you know how to read. I've taught people. I've taught really stupid children how to read, and it's like, <laughs> wow. Anyway, and so somehow we're supposed to believe, even through this one scene where she's like, "Sound it out," you know, like, and she's a. Uh, this doesn't make her feel like a good person to me, but she. Just teaches him how to sound out a B and an R, and then like later on gets him a book how to write. And so we're supposed to believe in these time jumps that somehow she's taught him how to both read and write. But here's the thing: we never see him 
utilize that skill to do anything more with his life. That's true. That's, that is true. So it's like we don't even really get to see how much that benefited him and like how much that enriched his life. And, and again, it's the only thing. And my opinion is it wasn't really for him. It was for her, you know, yeah, like, so it would it make her, her life easier. Yes. And make her feel better. I hope this little Negro, that's what she's like. That's how I feel, man. It, I truly feel that way. And the thing is, for people at home who are like, oh, but this movie was made in the 80s. I'm like, it, we're still doing the same thing now. The 80s? My God. Like, what? No, no. It's 1989. Listen. <laughs> well, the, like, the crime is, is that this is made the same year as Do the Right Thing. So. Wait, yeah. no. This is not. This is 1989. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, what movies it beat out? Wait, I mean, wait, Do the Right wait. Thing was a nominated, but that film oh, came yeah, out. No, no. It didn't beat Do the Right Thing because Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated. I mean, the ultimate message of the movie, right, is eradicate racism, right? <laughs> eradicate racism is the old because because you, you watch the that's movie the tagline driving Miss Daisy eradicate racism <laughs> because if there was no racism at all, right, then that poor woman wouldn't have died old and racist. You know, they could have. She could have been with her best friend. <laughs> they could have. They could have had a happy life together. But she was so stubborn and in her racist ways. You know, and so I don't know. Like I think Alfred Yuri is that how you say the playwright's name, the, the author's name? I think he was on to something with eradicate racism as a, as a <laughs> as an ideal. You know, and that's I, your takeaway. That's, that's my takeaway. Take yeah, take from away. from Driving Miss Daisy. That's fair. That's fair. Eradicate racist. <laughs> this movie be this, wow. here we go. This movie be this movie. This, first off, Glory, Glory. So Glory wasn't even nominated. Wasn't nominated. No. Nope. Like this movie beat Dead Poets Society. It beat My Left Foot, and it beat Born on the Fourth of July, which I think is one of Oliver Stone's best movies. And it's like it it beat Born on the Fourth of July, and it beat My Left Foot. Wow. It beat Field of Dreams. I thought white people love Field of Dreams. But you know what white people love more than Field of Dreams? Happy Negroes. Magic they love, Negroes. I thought, I thought they you love say. feeling not they love feeling that they're doing something right without having to do anything at all. They love feeling like they're helping solve racism with actually just making sure that it continues. They love, you know? they love frosted <laughs> ma- magic Negroes. They're magically delicious. Vincent, I thought you were going to say, you know what? You know what they love more than Field of Dreams? Field of Negroes. That's <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. That's too many, James. <laughs> way too many Negroes in that movie for Yeah, that's way too many <laughs> yeah, Negroes, James. Field of, field of Negroes. Whole, a lot of Negroes. Yeah. You get one Negro and they gotta have magic. Okay, or one... If it's a dude, he gotta be magical. If it's a woman, she gotta be sassy. This woman had a sassy maid and a magical driver. Okay? Living the dream. They were in there, they were in there, like, shucking peas, and then she died shucking peas, watching her stories. That's how that black woman died. She was shucking her peas and watching watching her stories in the kitchen. That's how she went out. You know what I thought was weird was that Morgan Freeman is who found her, was who found Odella and uh, Idella, and that I don't even remember what Miss Daisy's reaction to Idella passing 
what? Oh my god! I don't now think we I'm, ever, now I'm realizing we don't really see it. We don't really we get to see saw, it. Yeah. Well, she, I don't think she knew where the kitchen she was. Said, no, she said. <laughs> right. <laughs> she said Idella was lucky. Wait, didn't they go she to does, the funeral? Yeah, she's there. She's at the. There was a funeral, but she wasn't there. Oh, she's not at the funeral. But she. Mm, okay, I'm, but something that I'm I'm that's making me feel really nauseous thinking about is that we're supposed to think she misses Idella because she's trying to cook her ch- her chicken. Yes. And then uh, and uh, there was one more thing they couldn't she couldn't figure out the cake or they she said she said I could make her biscuits. We can both make her chicken, but neither of us can make her coffee. And that was their bonding bonding moment. She the thing that she loved and remembered about her her uh, made of probably decades and decades and decades was that she Since made Stan Aykroyd was in 8th grade. Yeah, she made her really good coffee. Wait, you said eighth grade? That's yeah. Dan Aykroyd was in eighth grade when when Idella came on. Man, I'm gonna t- let me tell you something so crazy. Is I've met people <laughs> that's so, here's now the thing, that's who so got made real though. But yeah, it's bro. so sad. Yeah, no, but yeah. still, like I, I I have recently met people who grew up with I, I'm. They had maids and butlers, but they were black. So I'm considering the white people who had maid and butler like, had black maids. That's what I'm gonna say. But I've met people who, in this lifetime of ours, millennials grew up with black maids who raised them. And I'm like, man, this is such a wild thing to think about. Like, oh yeah, I feel bad every time I see one of those maids pushing like the little white kids in the stroller past Central Park, and I see the little kids kicking around and throwing shit. I'm like, look at your little bad asses. Lady don't need to be pushing yeah. y'all. <laughs> I, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the profession. It's just like the. It's the dynamic. It's this idea that like we're friends that is like so twisted. Be- because and here's the thing. I'm not saying that you can't be friends with somebody who is your nanny or like who cleans your home. Like you could, you know. But be actual friends, not what this stuff is, which is not friendship. It's not friendship just because you're there. They're there all the time because they're getting paid. If there, if you never see this person show up for you in any sense of the in any way, which we never do, and she never does, you know what I mean. And these people in real life aren't. If you're not actually, are you going to these people's like kids' birthday parties? Are you like, are you visiting them in the hospital? You know what I mean. Like, are you helping them? Like, just giving them money for something that has nothing to do with. It's not a bonus for their work. You know, like, are you? Are you their guarantor for a, a loan or something? You know what I mean? Like, are you their friend? <laughs> You're their boss. That's that's actually one of the things that really bothers me about this film is that it doesn't acknowledge the reason he has this job. Like, you have a job because you need money to pay your bills and take care of your life. And almost from the very beginning, it, it kind of floats this really racist mythology about the black servant that they just like being servants. Like, I like this. You know, there's never a moment where you show him at home and he's like, you know, I got to work for this effort, but I got bills. I think the thing that makes me so sad about this movie is that Hollywood hasn't stopped and this is a way to get an Oscar nomination. Like, I hate to say it, but like, you, you, like, I think about, and the thing is, it's, it's our, it's, it's our best. It is our elite who do these things because, like, this is how you got to get on. Like, I mean, Lapita played a slave, you know, who got assaulted, got an Oscar. It's like these are people who are literally fucking fantastic who have to play these parts just to get on. Viola Davis, one of her only Oscar nominations is from playing 
the maid in the help. You know what I mean? It's like Mahershala showed up to win that Oscar with a beanie on, bro. Like, you know he didn't want to be there. I felt like he knew in his soul what Green Book was, and he was like, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. He had a beanie on, yo. Literally. He was like, I'm sorry. My bad. But I'm going to take this award, though, because I need it for my Yeah, I'm going to take this award, though. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I don't know, man. Like, this movie just made me sad. Because I'm like, God dang, we keep... Literally, I think if Morgan Freeman wouldn't... If he was an actor who, after this, didn't become so important to, like, not only Hollywood itself, but to black culture, to see that the thing that put him on the map, if you will, was a part that was like this. I'm like, again, this dude played the voice of God. And it sounded like, I don't know what God sounds like, but if he sounded like Morgan Freeman, I'm like, cool. You know what I mean? Like, it, he is that believable. He played a black president before we had a black president. You know what I mean? Like, that was that dude. But he plays that after this, man. Like, this is, this. the, the unfortunate thing about this movie also, like I said, is two years after Street Smart, this is the movie that I think hastens his his role as the old black guy in movies, right? That voice of God, all of that comes after this, you know, because because you got to think about it. In 1989, he's he's Hulk in this. He is he's the old guy in Glory. He's the old soldier in Glory. Oh yeah, I forgot. That's his, that's his, this year too. And, but also, this is the same year that he plays Joe Clark in Lean on Me, which is probably the last role where he's really showing any sense of like vitality and just being like, you know, energetic and, and just um, like like uh, a plus man on, on the screen. After this, he's he's old Morgan the rest of the way. He's very wise. Shawshank. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Shawshank. Damn. He's a wise man. He's an old, wise old man. Uh, anyway. So anyway, there's nothing really that happens in this movie. There's a, a bunch of scenes like, you know, when they drive to Alabama and they get pulled over by the cops, nothing happens. There's a lot of like her denying reality and like they're, they're the, her it's a temple, lot of denying reality. Temple gets bombed. Like her, her whole life is lived in a denied reality, which is like a fascinating character study. But the movie decides to not make any comment on almost anything in the film. Like the movie does it like the movie's like, we're not here to comment on anything, but we will play this happy music throughout, <laughs> throughout to make you feel like everything's good. Well, the one thing you, you, you said that I think is, is interesting. And I never thought about this before. And, and now y'all making me really change what, how I feel about this movie is because change it. In, change in, 19, it. In, in 1989, not so much now, but especially in 1989, you got to remember that this was for a lot of people, like we said, they're whitewashing history. They're trying to give you the sense of like, you know, racism was like, you know, it was racism, but it wasn't racism, racism. You know, like like some people say, the 50s was like, it's the greatest time to grow up. Eh, maybe not so much, depending on who you were. Like, we all know that, right? But in 1989 and probably like in the 10 years after that, as you move on in history, Movies like these, scenes like these, the be- these almost have the become like the our collective memory of that time, you know, and and it's and and now with social media and you know everybody's got a camera, you know, walking around with a camera, it's it's not so easy to get away with with that type of stuff. But back in 1989, 
you were trying to like re reset people's memories with this type of shit. And that is the very pervasive problem with driving Miss Daisy. Man, I don't know why I come on this damn show, man. Now I don't like my, <laughs> <laughs> my other, th- the other, th- the other thing that's so hard. <laughs> that was, that was wonderfully put and uh, glad to convert you over to the dark side. But uh, <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that the other thing that troubles me is like it seems like the writers of the movie do there's like a little bit of a sense of like the things that are wrong but because they decide because they don't want to press it there's no way that like the there's no way that just a general audience is actually taking this stuff in you know we one of the great things about our podcast and I know your podcast like when we look back and cuz sometimes people go well well, it was a different time. It was a different time. I'm like, yes, it was a different time. And also, that's the stuff that we watch and shapes who we are today in this present time. So it, we do need to go back and look at the stuff we saw when we were younger and didn't have a discerning eye for and then say, what were we buying into? Because that stuff sinks deep within. You're not, you don't think about it because it's a movie. It's entertainment. But when you constantly watch films and all of them are like this or so many of them are like this and you don't realize what's happening, you know, that's why I call it insidious because it's like very subtly shifting and it's doing it on a, on a nationwide, actually internationally wide global level, right? It's like, it's what, what people are thinking. A lot of people who've never been to America, their perception of race in America is coming from movies and television, right? So they're watching that stuff. Like, and then us, the same thing here with your, if you grow up in the North, your perception of the South is coming from movies, vice versa. Like it's, so we, you know, it is culturally shaping in that sense. And like, so when I see a movie like this, where we have the scene where he says, it's the Martin Luther King scene. And she's like, I feel it's so great. Things are changing. You know, and then we have the whole interaction with the fact that she didn't invite, she's not really inviting him. He's like, well, if you want to invite me, why didn't you invite me a month ago? Why are you waiting to this last minute? And she's like, I'm not inviting you. And then he gets out of the car and he's like, you know, it doesn't feel like things have changed that much. And she's mad and he's mad. And it's, and it's like, it's just posed as this like, oh, he checked her and, you know, she realized she's wrong kind of, but she's stubborn. So she doesn't want to admit it. But there's no aftermath to this scene. And we don't actually, we don't know what she's learned, if anything at all. And so that line of things haven't changed that much is like, it's almost a throwaway. And I don't think it's just, there's not a lot of discerning audience members, especially white discerning audience members in this time that are going to understand what he really even means by that. You know what I mean? And so that's my thing is like, yeah. That interrogation of that, is what happens in 1989 with Do the Right Thing and going forward. Because I think Spike Lee in that movie is the first time you really get an interrogation of that type of relationship. The problem with this movie or is that it comes out in 1989 at the same time as, as Do the Right Thing, but it's based on a play that was written in 1987 that was before anybody thought you could do this type of stuff so they could just live in their white cocoon and just put this this type of stuff out there you know what i mean so it with it the writers of the movies they're trying to adapt this that story not knowing that the 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 land is about to shift right from underneath them because do the right thing is it's in the hopper it's true and also i 
when I go back and watch stuff from the 60s and realize what was happening in the 60s, I think it's so, the 80s is so funny because the 80s act like the 60s never, ever happened. And like, there is so much radical, real stuff. Like I go back and I listen to some things like James Baldwin said, and obviously MLK later on, you know, the stuff that people don't want to, the, the, the speeches they don't want to play. <laughs> like I was like, oh, and Malcolm X, obviously like oh, not just the civil rights leaders, but even some like when people were making black people were trying to make their own films and stuff like that. I was just like, there's so much radical, like very real, like dis- dissection of race that was happening then that somehow the, I per I personally feel the eighties that decade just decided to go, let's move past. Let's forget about, it. let's move past this. We're back in the, we got hip hop now. And, and, you know, like this is cool and we're just going to black people are cool again. And like, and now it's just about like racism is kind of over except for like, the, the street gangs and honestly, the street gangs are kind of their their own problem, like and crack, you know. And so it's like oh, the, the '80s really warped things and made it seem like like well, how? Because now we look back at the '80s and go, well, it was the '80s. How? What did you expect them to do? And I go, what? Like, no, they, yeah, there were they, opportunities they, they, there. They regressed. <laughs> I was like, there. Were, it's not like the teachings weren't there. It's not like the understanding wasn't there. Twenty years before that, it was. You just you guys re it race relations in my opinion really regress anyway whatever that's that's another story so not to be super yeah. anti-theater on this podcast but the line you know i'm glad about all the change you know from the audience gets that like mm, wow she feels that and then when he says things haven't changed that much it gets applause it gets laughter it get everyone it gets everyone going that's right they haven't changed that much and then after the play Everyone talks about how important it was that he said that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like everyone, like everyone talks for hours about how important that line was, and 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 yeah, it's it's infuriating to really to really think about how the, the how that it is so much like look at what we did, pat ourselves on the back, you know, give this movie an Oscar, you know, when it's really when the movie itself really thinks it's saying eradicate racism, but it's not really saying that too much at all. This movie ain't say shit at all. <laughs> what, what else I gonna say about Any this? closing <laughs> thoughts? Never watch this again. Like if you if you're curious, because I know some people like to watch along with us, don't. You know? <laughs> don't um, I because this is an earlier movie, I actually do have something that I that I wanna say. Oh yeah, James, what's up? This movie came out in nineteen eighty nine and something that I didn't realize like while I was watching it, I realized that because he's driving in the car with the, and there's a steering wheel in the car, and I realized that the steering wheel is actually one of the Hancock Infinity Stones. What the hell is a Hancock Infinity Stone? Yeah, because the, the stone, steering James. wheel of the car is one of the, the Hancock games. is one of the Hancock Infinity oh Stones because it's connected to the. So you guys, there's this uh, extended cinematic universe uh, starring Will Smith's Hancock that exists, and James. there are all of these different movies that have different Infinity Stones in them, and it sort of connects together like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm, interesting. And so the steering wheel is a steering. How, how is that a how is that yeah because see though? as you see it it needed to go through changes you know it's when, when it depends on who wields the steering wheel you know There's whoever's like wheeling. four different cars in the movie isn't yeah there? yeah but the the steering wheel is and how james, it's wielded james, you don't have is, to keep doing this is the way james you're confusing <laughs> so, us all james 
You don't have to keep what? doing this bit. No, bro. I'm just I'm just talking about the, the Hancock Cinematic Universe and how how the book cool. Steel this movie is one of the it's one of the because it's really late there. It's time for the Wait, wait, before you do that, Bray, I got one thing because James I got one thing. So one of the biggest things, problems I have with this movie is this movie could have had what I like to call a swirl, all right? And now the thing about a swirl is that in, in movies, in motion pictures in particular, like, like no, no, baby, I'm like, come on now. In motion pictures, okay, oftentimes well, they we, don't have, if it's a white woman lead, they don't have her hookup with the black male lead. Now it's always reversed. Like Zoe Saldana, Jennifer Lopez, Holly Berry, they done hooked up with so many white dudes on movies, like I can't even count. But when you think about like Eddie Murphy, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, it's, it's not the same. But in this movie, they had the moment. And in this movie, it would have been progressive. Because not just black and white, but they're older, okay? And older people love getting down, too. I don't know. I used to work in the old folks' home, and I don't know if y'all know, but they be out here. They, they get it in. They got STDs because they just don't wrap up. Like, they out here. And there was a scene in this movie where, like, Morgan Freeman comes in the room, and then, and then the lady looks up, and then she just holds his hand, right? And it's just, a, just the two of them in this room. It's cold. All right, he got to start a fire. Like they ain't got nowhere to go. Okay, the the sun can't get there, but Morgan Freeman is handy. All right, he can make it through. Drove through ice storm. Drove through the storm, made it so she wouldn't be by herself, and they just sitting there. All right, and imagine like he comes back. He got the fire going. He bought his own little. He bought his own little slides. They probably furry. You know what I mean. And he's like, come on, Miss Daisy, let me keep you warm. And they go to the fire and then she got like one little chair and they just like cuddle. And all of a sudden he's like, Daisy, I never noticed the fire in your eyes because he sees the fire reflection. And then she turns around and goes, man, I haven't been held like this since 1942 when my husband died. And he's like, well, I'm happy I'm here to keep you warm and protect you, Daisy. And then they, they slowly get close and then as the, the camera pans out, they slide down and all you see is the fire and you see the bodies in the shadow of the fire. And then we cut to the next scene and Daisy in there cooking fried chicken with ease. She has the timber down low and she got the chicken spread separately. She even got some Larry seasoning on that chicken because before she didn't I have the seasoning. I cannot believe we all sat here Because they eradicated racism. <laughs> Listen, that swirl could have fit into this movie. Breakfast Listen, that is a It's time for the cause. Time for the cause. We rate films not based on how much how much we liked it, but whether or not it helped the cause of more leading black actors in Hollywood. So if we feel like the film fully helped that cause of more leading black actors in Hollywood, we give it a black fist. If it somewhat helped the cause, we give it a white palm. If we feel like it didn't help the cause at all, we don't, we don't give it anything. Not about how much we like the movie, Jura. Why are you, why are you pointing out to me? On the count of, uh, on the count of three. I don't like, three. I don't think I like this. <laughs> I don't think we'll I like this. We'll raise our, our ratings think, for black like fist, white I palm, or nothing. I have to All do right, for this. I don't, wait, wait, hold on, wait, hold on. All right, need, here we go. I need to make it clear. Though. Before before I do three, what's about to happen, what? What? I need what? y'all to know that I have to do Because of more. I, because, of, yeah. because of the parameters of the cause, I'm going to have to do what's about to happen. I'm not Two, talking about it. I'm not going to talk about it. One. Oh. <laughs> what y'all give it? Y'all got what y'all, what y'all got? 
Wait a minute. Uh, well, Bray surprisingly gave it a, a white palm. I give it a white uh, and then palm. And, and Vincent and, James and, Lynn, and I give it nothing. Fist. What do y'all give? I'll give it a... Okay. okay. Vincent gives, gives it a fist. I think it led to jobs. Uh, so wait a minute. So the white palm is I'm giving... It's, it's okay. It kind of helps. Some, it it's, it helps somewhat helps it. Somewhat helps the cause. I mean, it, it, it you know, it gives it give sh- Morgan some shine. So I give it a palm. I give it a palm. I was, there we go. I gave two, it. Palms, two three palms, black three black fists. fists. I, uh, I feel dirty. Draw. Why'd you give it a black fist, Draw? Stop saying it. Why are you saying it like Don't that? Don't say it like that. Why you say it like that? Why you? Draw. Just stop saying it. No. Pull, just pull the lever. Stop saying it. Listen. <laughs> I gave it. I gave. I gave it a black fist because Morgan Freeman got nominated for an Oscar. And Morgan Freeman became Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I I don't know, guys. Everything the world is spinning. Does anyone have a headache? <laughs> is anybody is anybody dizzy? No, nobody's dizzy. Is it just me? I don't know, man. Stop asking me questions. Uh Vincent, would you like to go say why you gave it a, a fist before I go? I'll, I can go after you. I think it led to jobs. I, I think some of those jobs were questionable, but it absolutely led to jobs. Like, like, like Whoopi Goldberg ate for a decade off of films just like this, where she just sort of shows up in a maid's outfit and dispenses wisdom, and then it goes to the next day, and you don't know what her home life is like. You don't know if she has a home. You don't know if she has a family. Like, this whole dynamic of the Black servant that revolves around whiteness becomes a gig so you know yeah but i can't give it a fist for that that's why i'm just i'm just going to give it a white palm because yes does morgan freeman get a, a, a academy nomination yes he does but conversely it does damage to his career because it ages him prematurely so so i can't give a, a major fist for that so i just got to give him a, a white palm for that that's a good point about how it ages him though that is true yeah, I, I'll and I'll just say I gave I gave it a fist because I think I think the Oscar nomination, I it, that that is what and then then it also made a lot of money. But like, but to me, that's what outweighed giving it anything else because it was there's just only so there's only so few black actors that have gotten the best actor nomination and and just thinking about what the cause is for i don't like i don't like oscars i don't i don't like what them at all but it was but it just feels like that's too it's too big of a thing to have gotten you know and then and this not being his breakout role i think you're to what you were saying earlier lynn like street smart is the breakout role but like you know him getting the oscar for this was too was too much for me I think. yeah I, but i gave it a fist for similar reasons for to len i just felt like this also not just traps Morgan Freeman in these kinds of roles, which are usually more supporting. It traps other black people in those kind of supporting roles as well. And I think it's one of the reasons why you have a significant amount of black men and women getting best supporting actor, but not as many getting best actor, especially with on the on the female side. So it's because they it's because their their Oscar roles are these types of roles where they're just like the help, you know? Anyway, but uh, thank you 
Len Vincent so much for joining us on the podcast. Do, do you guys want to do your own plugs to where people can see you or follow you or hey, listen to you? You can check out uh, the Me Show Mission, M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N, every place that you find podcasts, like and follow us on all the social medias, YouTube and all that type of stuff, all this type of jazz. And we look forward to having all three of you black men coming on to our show. Because we are reviewing every black film ever made. So choose a black film and let's make it happen, man. And the class of 1989 premieres next week. March 6th. March 6th. It it drops. You can go and follow that. And um, our trailer is up there right now. We talk about this movie. We go in depth about this movie, about Lean on Me, Harlem Nights, Glory, all the films, black, black films of 1989. Great. And that may or may not be the day this episode comes out, actually. Cool. Yeah, perfect time. Perfect time. Yeah. So listen to it today. If it's out, to, yeah. If, if today is March 6th and you're listening to this, go check it out. <laughs> you can follow us at Black Men Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Blackmenpodcast.com is our website where we have links to merchandise. We also have a Patreon where we don't do new, new episodes anymore, but we have a year's worth of episodes, including our review of The Help, where Gerard goes. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't Nuclear, put this on me. as he does. It's a bad, first off, Super the help, <laughs> whatever. Super Saiyan. First off, I saw the help um, in a room full of white people, and I felt terrified for my life because they were clapping and looking at me, and I thought I did something. So don't blame me, all right? Viola Davis don't like the help, all right? You were actually probably the safest amongst white people you've ever been, actually, that day. That was probably the safest. <laughs> the most fearful I've ever been is when I saw a crash, and they were like, uh-uh, we saw what happened. Angela, Sandra Bullock was right. I'm like, nah, not today. Not today. (laughs) Wait, what are we doing? Also, if you rate rate and review us on iTunes and give us five stars, we'll read your review on the air. This one's from Devin2k1. He says, great podcast. Hey, guys, I just found your podcast about two weeks ago, and I have to say that I really enjoy it. The review you guys did on Ray was great. Jamie Foxx was amazing in it and deserved to win the Oscar. It was bittersweet to see him win because he went up against Don Cheadle that year for Hotel Rwanda. And I hated to see him lose. But if you guys haven't reviewed that movie yet, maybe you will give it a watch and review. Thanks. I don't think we have reviewed Hotel Rwanda. Wait, have we? I forgot. If y'all did it, uh, y'all did it without me. If you oh, did. yeah. Okay. We did, I think. All right. And you can follow me at John Braylock. You can follow me at Draw Milligan on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Rule of Three Inc. on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Three is the number three. Rule of Three Inc.com. James, you TikTok it? You TikTok it? No, I haven't in months, but that's my TikTok handle. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. Oh, we will see you all next week. Peace. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production, produced by Melissa D. Bonds. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at foreverdogteam to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. (coughs) 